Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come now to this time of opening up Your Word and hearing You speak to us today, Lord. Lord, I pray that You would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Open up our hearts, O Lord, to receive Your Word to us. And Lord, may our lives be transformed by Your Word. Reveal Yourself to us, Lord, today, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, open to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, we'll be looking at verses 12 through 17 this morning. It is good to be back with you today, uh, to be back home. It's always nice to get away and see more of God's creation in this world, but it's always good to be back home with family again. And so it's good to be back and worshiping with our church family this morning. Uh, You're such a blessing to us. Do be in prayer for David and Leslie as they are going on vacation this week, so be in prayer for their family. We are continuing our study in Philippians, discovering joy as Paul is teaching us how to discover true joy, lasting joy in Christ Jesus. And today we're looking at this in Philippians 3, 12 through 17, straining for the goal, straining for the goal. So if you will, stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. Do you ever... Enjoy the, the joy of accomplishment. Do you enjoy winning? Oh, come on. Do you enjoy winning? All right. You enjoy winning when you strive and strive for something to, to come out on top, to achieve a goal, to accomplish something in life. We all enjoy that. We enjoy working hard and realizing the goal in which we are striving, for which we are striving. You know, I think 
As that is such a common goal, I believe that that is a God-given desire. God gives us a desire to achieve and to accomplish, to work towards goals and uh, to accomplish those goals. The problem for us, however, is the fallacy of the fallen. We, as a fallen race, so oftentimes we set our sights so low We work and strive to accomplish worldly goals. And while that is good in in many respects, that shouldn't be our ultimate aim. If we really want to work towards something, we should work towards and strive for God-given goals and God-given desires. There's a greater goal in life to be accomplished than just the the mere accomplishments of this world. Than the accomplishments of, of our jobs. Than the accomplishments of a game. There's a greater goal for which we can strive. And it is a God given goal. So today, as we look at this passage, We consider this, strive for godliness in Christ Jesus, for the prize is unimaginably spectacular. Let me say that again. Strive for godliness in Christ Jesus, for the prize is unimaginably spectacular. And that's what Paul is telling us here in this passage today. And as he's, he begins this paragraph, as he gets into this paragraph, he uses this metaphor of the athlete. We all like, well, no, not all of us, but uh, a lot of us enjoy athletics and, and watching ball games and, and that sort of thing. As we look at the summer, summer Olympics are, are coming up, and, and so we're getting geared up for the summer Olympics, and we like to watch the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the athletes at work, the competitiveness of them. We enjoy that. I think Paul, he kind of had a a heart for athletics too because he often uses the athlete as a metaphor for the Christian life. And so we see that at work here in our passage today, in our paragraph that we're looking at today. So Paul uses this metaphor of the athlete. And so as we look at this passage then, as an athlete in training, we must first define the goal. As an athlete in training, training for, striving for that goal, we must first define the goal. We must understand and realize what our goal is. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have a a goal. And we need to define what that goal is. Well, as we look at this, look at verse 14 there. It's right there in the middle. Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm I'm striving for a goal. As I'm living this Christian life, as I'm walking in Christ, there's, there's a goal that has been set, and I'm striving for that goal. Now, what is the goal? What goal are we striving for as followers of Jesus Christ? 
Well, that's the goal that we talked about the last time we were together. Look back up in chapter 3, verses 8 through 11 there. Let me just read that. Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything that I have, Paul says, everything that I have gained in this world, everything that I've worked so hard for in the past, I count it as loss for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that, that righteousness, which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And this is what that leads to, that, so that, I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What is our goal as followers of Jesus Christ? It is the resurrection life. It's the resurrection life. And there's, there's two stages of the resurrection life as we looked at two weeks ago. First, there's the future resurrection life defined by perfection. The future resurrection life defined by perfection. And that's what Paul is getting there at that, that end there, that, that last little verse there, verse 11. That, by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection from the dead, that, that future resurrection that hasn't happened yet. Paul, even as he speaks these words, he understands that that hasn't happened yet. That's why he, he continues in that first verse of, of our, our, our paragraph today. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. But Paul says there's coming a day, there's a future resurrection life in which we look forward to, and that future resurrection life is defined by perfection, absolute perfection. We don't know perfection in this life, do we? But we are looking forward to a day that will be perfect in every way. What does this perfect perfection look like? What all is included in this perfect resurrection life? Well, there will be physical perfection. There's physical perfection. Not that I've already, or that last verse there in verse 11, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. What is, where does this physical body become most <laughs> most uh, torn up, most destroyed, most decayed, it's in death, isn't it? And from the time we take our first breath on this earth, we're all working towards that day of death. It's a day that comes for all 
who live on this earth, lest the Lord returns before. We are all working towards death, and Jesus promises us a day through His resurrection that we will be resurrected in new life, and this old body of flesh will be made perfect. It will be made perfect. The dead in Christ, he says, will be raised first, and then we'll go up with them. Those who remain will go up with the dead, and when we see Jesus, we will become like him, like him in absolute perfection. We will have a perfect body, a body that never grows old, never gets weak, never grows tired, weary, never gets sick, knows no infection, but a perfect physical body. Second, there's also spiritual perfection. We look forward to spiritual perfection. As of now, we, we don't know spiritual perfection. As we walk this earth, we know that we are sinners. And we are, are always going to sin as long as we walk in this body of flesh. We are going to stumble. Now, we may grow in godliness. We hope for that. We strive for that. That's our goal. We want to grow in godliness. But we know that we're not perfect spiritually. We fail. But on that day, in that future resurrection, we will become like Christ in spiritual perfection. We will no longer be able to sin. And boy, do we look forward to that day. There's physical perfection. There's spiritual perfection. And then there's relational perfection. There's relational perfection. That is, that relationship between God and one another. Right now, as we walk, there's, there's barriers between us and God, isn't it? Even though we, we come to faith in Jesus Christ and through Christ that, that relationship has been repaired and now we have access to God, but still, God is not here visibly, is He? But we're looking forward to that day when that relationship will be made perfect. We will be able to walk with Christ again like Adam and Eve did in the very beginning. They walked with God in the garden. We will be able to walk with God in His eternal garden. And our human relationships. Aren't there barriers? We make mistakes. Sin is in the world. And we make mistakes and we sin against one another. But when there is no sin, then we don't sin against one another. And those one-on-one -on -one relationships with one another are perfect. We look forward to that future resurrection life defined by perfection, physical perfection, spiritual perfection, and relational perfection. But is that all that we live for? Are we just looking forward to that day, or is there something here and now that we can strive for in this life? Well, yes, indeed, there is. There is the current resurrection life defined by godliness. 
the current resurrection life defined by godliness. Look at verse 10 again. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. Now, you remember from a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that. Paul is looking toward not that future resurrection life, but that current resurrection life, the resurrection life that takes place here and now. In Christ, because we are in Christ, we have His righteousness that comes from faith, from God, depending on faith. Verse verse 9. Because we are in Christ, then we have the, the Holy Spirit abiding in us, changing our hearts, changing our desires. So that we want to be more like Jesus for work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. For it is He, God, who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. God is in us by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. God is in us, changing us, transforming us, making us more like Christ. He gives us that ability to strive toward godliness even here and now in this life. Now we won't know perfection, of course, in this life as we have already stated. But yet God has given us the will, the desire to strive for that, to long for that. And has given us the power, that resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's in us, working in us, giving us the ability to work towards godliness. So as we await the day of perfection, we are to strive toward spiritual maturity, spiritual godliness, even here and now. So that is the goal. Our goal here and now, our ultimate goal is the future resurrection life. But the goal here and now as we walk and talk and live in this world is the current resurrection life. Seeing the power of God work in us to make us godly in Christ Jesus. That's the goal. That's what we as followers of Christ should be striving for in our day-to-day life. So as an athlete... Once you then define the goal, you must then embrace the motivators. You must embrace the motivators. We have to be motivated, don't we? We must be motivated. We can put whatever goal out in front of us that we want to put it, but if we're not motivated to strive towards that goal, then what's the point? Now, I could, I could put a goal out there of being a marathon runner, but if I don't have the, the motivation to get me up every morning and and get out there and run, then I'm not going to accomplish that goal, am I? I have to be motivated. I have to have motivators to, to get me up and push me to accomplish that goal. So we need to embrace the motivators to accomplish that goal of godliness. So what are the the factors of motivation? Let's consider the factors of motivation, what what we need to to gain, what motivators look like. The factors of motivation is, first of all, we must know the value of accomplishment. 
We must know the value of accomplishment. We must see the reward and understand the value of the reward that we will get for striving, don't we? I mean, if, if there's nothing, why do we strive? Why do we work if there's nothing to work towards, if there's no prize at the end of our striving? So we must know the value of accomplishment, and, and we also must know the possibility of accomplishment. We must know the, the possibility of accomplishment. We need to know that we can accomplish the goal that we're striving for, Right? If, if we know that there's no possibility for reaching that goal, then, then we, we're not going to strive for it. We're not going to work towards that goal. We need to know that we can accomplish that. So then, what are our motivators in which we must embrace? First of all, we must embrace this one. Christ is the supreme reward. Christ is the supreme reward. What are we striving for? What's the prize? What's the prize of our strivings? Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I made, have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is the prize? The prize is the ultimate reward that we could ever gain. Jesus Christ. Have Him have a relationship with Him, to walk with Him day in and day out. Paul says, I count all things as loss. I count everything as lost. I count it as dung. The supreme value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Christ is so valuable. What a great reward. Why do we strive for, for worldly little trinkets when Christ is available? Oh, how we will work and work and work to get a, a little medal or a little trophy, but Christ! Oh, the value of Christ is far more valuable than anything else we could ever gain. Consider who Christ is. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word. The Word there is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Jesus is God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Everything. All of creation. Look around at all of creation. See the beauty of the Grand Canyon. Christ made that. He made that. Everything was created through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, 
and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Christ created all things and He gives life. He gives life. He is the giver of life. We move and breathe and live. We have our being because Christ. He holds us together. He's the Creator and Sustainer of everything. Do you imagine that? As we were on vacation and, and sitting there, we went to Tybee Island and just watching the, the sunrise over the ocean. Oh, what a glorious sight. Last year as we, we went to the, the uh, Yellowstone and saw the, the beauty of everything there. Christ made that. He created it. And he, and he keeps the living living. We think about the beauty of creation, yet think about it. As beautiful and glorious the creation is. How much more beautiful and glorious must its Creator be? See the grandeur of the Grand Canyon and God is far greater. Christ is far greater. We could have the whole entire world and it would pale in comparison to the glory of Christ. Christ is most glorious. And He is the supreme reward. Jonathan Edwards had a great sense of the value of Christ. In one of his journals, he, he once wrote this, Once, as I rode out into the woods for my health in 1737, Having alighted from my horse, he got off his horse. Having alighted from my horse in a retired place, as my manner com commonly has been to walk in divine contemplation and prayer, I had a view that was for me extraordinary. I saw the glory of the Son of God as mediator between God and man. And His wonderful, great, full, pure and sweet grace and love and meek and gentle condescension. This grace that appeared so calm and sweet appeared also great above the heavens. The person of Christ appeared ineffably excellent with an excellency great enough to swallow up all thought in conception, which continued as near as I can judge about an hour. This kept me the greater part of the time in a flood of tears and weeping aloud. I felt an, an ardency of soul to be what I know not otherwise how to express emptied and annihilated. I wanted to lie in the dust and to be full of Christ alone. 
to love Him with a holy and pure love, to trust Him, to leave, live upon Him, to serve and follow Him, and to be perfectly sanctified and made pure with a divine and heavenly purity. Oh, to know Christ in such a way. To see the glory, the beauty, the majesty of Christ so fully. Oh, what a great and magnificent re reward we have in Christ Jesus. Christ is the supreme reward. But what about the possibility of accomplishment? Can we accomplish this? Can we reach godliness? First, we need, to, we need to realize here that Christ has won the victory. We can accomplish it. We can win the race because Christ has already accomplished the victory. Not that I've already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because. Right? Because Christ has made me His own. Paul says, I can, I can press on towards the prize because Christ has already won the victory. Christ has already made me His own. I am His because of what He has done. He has won the victory, praise God. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. For while we were still weak at the right time, while we were still in this mortal body, weakened by sin, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die, but God, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Christ Jesus has won the victory for us. Yes, we can accomplish our goal because Christ has already accomplished it for us. He has won it for us. Praise God, in Christ we have victory. Victory in Jesus. Christ has won the victory. And finally, third here, Christ empowers us to be victorious. Not only has He won the victory, but He also works in us, giving us the ability, giving us the power to be victorious even in our own lives. Christ is in us. 
His Spirit is in us, working in us, empowering us. That's why Paul has already said, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. For, because, it is God who's working in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. He gives us the power. He has empowered us. Why do we strive for godliness? Can we accomplish godliness in this life? Can we grow in spiritual maturity in this life? Of course we can. Because Christ is working in us so that we can accomplish it. We don't need to to look at past failures. We don't need to think about all those things. But Christ has given us the power to accomplish the victory. Embrace the motivators. Embrace the beautiful reward that is in Christ Jesus. And strive for godliness. For Christ has won the victory. And He empowers you. To be victorious in your walk with Him. So as an athlete, once we define the goal and embrace the motivators, then you must be a, a build a strategy for success. Right? you got to build a strategy for success. If, if you, you set your goal. You see the goal. You know what the goal is. You define the goal. You're motivated to, to strive for that goal. Now what are we going to do to obtain that goal? There has to be a strategy. You have to be, there has to be a strategy. Here's where the rubber begins to meet the road, if you will, where we get practical. How do we accomplish godliness in our lives? Well, first of all, we must forget past failures. We must forget past failures. Look at verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul has just went through, as, as we saw up earlier in, verse, in chapter 3, Paul looked at his old life. He laid his whole life out there. He remembers the day that he was a persecutor of the church. He remembers the day that, that the people of, of, Jude, of uh, Judea, they grabbed Stephen up out of the temple complex and they drug him out of Jerusalem and they stoned him. And what his Acts tells us that the people who stoned Stephen laid their garments, laid their coats down at the feet of a man named Saul. That was Saul. That was Paul. He gave his approval. He then went out and began to drag people out of churches and take them to, to court. He persecuted the church. He says, I forget what lies behind. You see, we can get so hung up on our failures that we, we fail to strive for the goal. You know what the difference is between professional athlete and an, an amateur is a professional athlete strives to win one play at a time not one game at a time you watch these athletes and you see them they'll they'll run down the the field and and they'll make a fumble and uh, that well, that was a mistake that was a failure and you see the amateur would would focus on the failure and, and it would ruin the rest of the game for him 
but a professional. He doesn't play for the whole game. He plays one play at a time. Lays aside the failure. Yeah, I fumbled the ball. Oh well, let's go play another one. Let's win this next run. That gives them focus. We can get so hung up on our failures that we forget to focus on our goal. We can get hung up. Paul says you need to forget the past. When you stumble and you're going to stumble, forget about it. Stumble, ask God for forgiveness, get up and continue on. Forget the past. Forget past failures. Forget what lies behind and strain forward for what lies ahead. Strain forward in spiritual discipline. Strain forward in spiritual discipline. Forget forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. We must strain forward. Forget past failures. Strain forward in spiritual disciplines. God has given us the tools to strain forward, to work, to, to strive for godliness. What are those disciplines? How do we discipline ourselves? What are the disciplines in which we must work to strive for godliness? First of all, there's disciplined in, we must be disciplined in spiritual intake. Scriptural intake, excuse me. We must be disciplined in Scripture intake, taking in God's Word. God has given us His Word not just to be a, a paperweight on the coffee table, believe it or not. Right? He's given us His Word in a book that we can take with us and, and open it up day in and day out and read it. Take it in. And if we want to know God more, if we want to grow in our relationship with Him, then we must be in God's Word day in and day out. If we want to know what kind of life pleases God, then we've got to be in God's Word day in and day out. This must be our ultimate authority in life because this is God's Word. This is God speaking to us. We must be disciplined in scriptural intake and taking in Scripture day in and day out. God has given us this book for a reason. That reason is that we may know Him and grow in Him. We must be disciplined in Scripture intake. We must be disciplined in prayer. The other way that we get to know God more is through prayer. Reading God's Word, taking in Scripture, that's God speaking to us. But God has, he has reconciled us to Himself. The, the, the relationship is open again. We have access to God. But how often do we fail to take advantage of that access? By sitting down and praying to God. 
sharing our life with God. God wants to hear our prayers. He wants us to talk to Him. And we grow in spiritual maturity as we talk to Him. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Are you consistently in God's Word? Are you consistently praying to God? We strain forward in spiritual discipline, disciplined in Scripture intake, disciplined in prayer, and disciplined in discipleship. Disciplined in discipleship. Notice that last verse. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I didn't read this earlier, but 17. Their brothers join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. We must be disciplined in Spiritual discipleship. That is, God calls us into discipleship. He calls us to to come under His instruction. He He has given us instruction, and so we're to come under His instruction. But He also has brought out this relationship that we're to have with other believers. Paul says, follow in imitating me. We are to look to those brothers and sisters in faith who are more mature in faith. And we're to to come under their care and to come under their guidance and, and have them as mentors. So let me ask you this. Number one, are you being discipled? You're not too old or too young to be discipled. Are you being discipled? Do you have someone in your life who, who knows Christ, who is more mature in Christ than you are, that, that you can call and, and talk things through? Ask their opinion about this and that and, and just struggle together with different things in Scripture. Do you have a discipler? Second, are you discipling? Are you looking for someone? Someone around you whom may be struggling in their walk. Someone whom you can come along beside and be a friend and help them along in their spiritual walk. These are the means in which God has given us to grow in godliness. His Word, prayer, and discipleship. Pouring into one another. Are you striving for the goal? Are you striving for the goal by straining forward in spiritual disciplines? Dear friend, strive to win the race. Strive to win the race. God has set before us the goal. We're to be like Christ. And one day He will make us perfectly like Christ. But while we walk this earth, we ourselves are to strive for godliness. Strive to know Christ more. 
Strive to be more like Him. Strive to win. And oh, what a glorious reward you will receive in your relationship with Jesus. Strive for godliness in Christ Jesus, for the prize is unimaginably spectacular. Christ is unimaginably spectacular. Oh, to know Him more. Perhaps you're here today. And you've never begun. You're not even in the race. You're not even in the race. There's nothing for you to do. You see, the goal here is not to just begin striving and maybe salvation will happen. No, the, the first thing that we must do is come to Christ. Christ has won the victory. He has won the victory. By God's grace, through faith, we come to the victory in Christ. Are you in the race? Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Have you surrendered to Him? Do you know His victory? Perhaps, perhaps you're here and you've been caught up on past failures. Oh, how, how can God love me after all that I've done? He hung your past failures on the cross and He died for them so that you might have victory. Leave your past failures behind. Look to Jesus and strive for godliness in Him. Commit to Him today, O oh, Heavenly Father. Oh, we thank You for the victory that we have in Jesus. If it were not for Jesus, there would be no hope of the resurrected life. But because of Jesus, we have absolute hope if we trust in Him. Oh God, give us a vision, the glory of Christ. Let us long for Him day in and day out. That we might become more like Him and grow in our relationship with Him. Father, this I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You're here today, and you don't know Jesus. You've never trusted in Him. I invite you, come, give your life to Him today. You don't have to even come. You can just give your life to Him today, right where you are. Just trust in Him. Give your life over to Him.